0: Not that long ago, a student and I were chatting after class when I shared that one of my loves of practicing yoga is that every time I get on the mat, I learn something new. Shocked by my statement, he asked, You really learn new things? I thought you were a master. No, I am not. To be a master of yoga is to be a master of yourself, and that's a big letter S self. This, in my humble opinion, is the ability to be in a continuous state of conscious awareness to the truth of the moment and to be aligned physically, mentally, emotionally, intellectually, and spiritually in it. Sure, I've become consistent and proficient at a few pieces of this practice, but in no way have I mastered the ability to be in a constant state of awareness. And I don't know that I ever will be. And that's perfectly okay, because no matter what level of proficiency I or anyone else gains from this practice, any and all practice of yoga is a benefit. In fact, yoga is everything but being perfect at something, for yoga is learning to be at peace exactly as you are. In this episode, I share with you some of the places I've been and the experiences I've had while learning to yoga through my life. I'm Michelle Robinson, entrepreneur, yoga teacher, Ayurveda consultant and life student and your host on this podcast, OM at Home. As I shared in the previous episode, I believe I was introduced to the concept of yoga at a young age. First, by way of self-regulation with breath, thank you mama, and secondly by learning how to control with ease and grace the movements of my body. For years I attended dance classes and learned how to control my body and breath as the music underscored each expression I made. My teachers, who I am still graciously thankful for today, obviously saw something in me, for I was invited to not only attend classes as a student, but also to assist my teachers. In my early teenage years, I led baby ballerinas through playful movement exercises while learning to direct a room full of energetic beings. This love of dance and movement had me choreographing routines in high school and later take the lead as dance captain in the performing arts program I attended while in college. And it was in college where I discovered another piece of the yoga method, although I didn't realize it then. One of my professors, a brilliant, inspiring and whimsical man close to retirement, taught us about presence and breath and meditation. I can't recall the name of the meditation he taught us, but it was kind of a blend between conscious breathing practice and yoga nidra, AKA yoga sleep, where you systematically guide yourself into a deep state of effortless rest and relaxation. I remember screwing up my face as he explained how he'd do this practice while propped up on his kneeling office chair, and it was just as rejuvenating for him for his mind and his body a good night's sleep. After college I traveled abroad until finally laying down roots in Nova Scotia in 2001. Not sure what to do with my life I jumped around with odd jobs trying to get a sense for what I liked versus what I didn't. In the back of my mind I knew I wanted to work with people and if I could earn a living doing uh, some kind of dance class or fitness group exercises then that's what I wanted to do. I completed various fitness and nutrition certifications and eventually merged a desk job and fitness trainer into one. Then, in 2008, I committed myself to further developing my yoga practice and signed up for my first 200-hour yoga teacher training program. Offered here in Halifax, the training was a remarkable introduction to the philosophy behind the practice of postures and the essence of yoga. Although I'd been practicing on my own for a number of years, that program had me craving everything and all things yoga. I knew even after the first weekend that sharing the gift of yoga was what I was meant to do with my life. Before I graduated from that program, I bought into the business and held a set of keys to my very own yoga studio. Holy sweet mustard pickles, what the heck was I thinking? How can I have a yoga business when I hardly know a thing about it? When the exhilarating high of having my own business fizzled out, the panic set in. I remember feeling so overwhelmed with anxiety, fear and self-doubt at the decision that I had made and the money I'd invested. How was I going to be a successful yoga teacher and studio owner when I hardly knew a thing about these ancient teachings? Then I remembered a quote my then teacher shared uh, with our little group from our teacher training by the late master yogi Sri K. Pattabhi Joyce. He said, yoga is 99% practice, 1% theory. That was it, practice. Get on your mat, Michelle. Be a student. Always be a student. This became my mantra. So six months later, I stepped off the plane and onto the clay tarmac at one of the busiest airports in India. If I was going to be a student, I wanted to go to the birthplace of yoga itself, the motherland. Living, eating and studying all things yoga, in December of 2009, I completed my second 200 hour yoga training while in residence at the Shivananda Yoga Vedanta Ashram in South India. As much as my first training had impacted my life, this training transformed it. I was hooked. I'd never felt more alive in my entire life than I did at the end of that intensive training. Everything about me felt awake and vibrant. My body felt strong and moved with a kind of proficiency I'd never felt before. It was as if every cell of my body was nourished and properly taken care of. Every breath was like receiving an inspiring gift that I could reciprocate to the world around me. And for the first time in my life, I felt confident in my ability to successfully fulfill my life's work, my dream. But that didn't mean I was done being a student. For less than a year later, I stepped off another airplane, this time in New Delhi, and made my way to the sacred city of Rindavan. There, I lived for just over a month and continued to enrich my body, my mind, and my heart with the power and potential of yoga. I feel beyond fortunate to have had both of these magnificent trainings and experienced them set amongst the historical infrastructure of culture and community. To study in India was an unforgettable experience. And as much as I did gain during my time there, I felt like I was still just scratching the surface of my studentship and most importantly my responsibility as a yoga teacher to the traditions that had been passed down for generations before me. After returning home and to the studio, I shared the lessons I'd gained and experiences I'd had at every opportunity I got, whether that was on the yoga mat or not. And because I had a number of things on the go, namely a business to run, the next number of years, I remained rather close to home, yet still actively engaged in my personal studies and practice. Solo tripping to Quebec on two separate occasions, I explored a different kind of Indian meditation called Vipassana, which means, quote, to see things as they really are. This non-sectarian mindfulness-based practice teaches you how to recognize the deep interconnectedness between your body and mind by repeatedly directing your attention to any and all physical sensations that arise in the body. My first 10-day retreat of this kind blew me out of the water. And I should just kind of back up here a little bit. These Vipassana meditations are um, a minimum 10-day participation to start, and they are silent, meaning you don't make eye contact, you don't speak, you don't interact in any way, shape, or form with anybody else during the entire training. My first retreat of this kind blew me out of the water. I remember driving through the northern states on my return trip home, and I swear I could smell the Atlantic Ocean from the Vermont countryside. It was like my senses had finally been turned on and I could experience with pristine clarity the world around me. The experience was so potent that I went back for another round of Ten Days in Silence a few months later. This time, en Saint. And although it was still a life changing experience, it was nothing like the first one. And it's kind of funny because I wanted to go back for a second time because I craved the experience of the first one, no joke. And that craving wasn't the baby talking, it was my mind. I wanted to replicate what I would, had achieved. If yoga has taught me anything, it's that no two experiences are ever alike, and therefore cravings, whether they're physical, mental, emotional, etc., often become detrimental to one's health and well-being. What can I say? I'm human, and cravings happen. Before my son was born, I was fortunate enough to travel one last time for an intensive retreat. At eight and a half months pregnant, I landed in New York State and dove headfirst into another program, only this one blended the Western approach of psychology and health to that of the chakra system. This remarkable training, led by the brilliant Anadeya Judith, opened my eyes and heart to the human condition. Not only did this training impact my personal practice and understanding of yoga, It has played a major role in my parenting strategy as well as my teaching and mentorship practices. The psychology of the chakras is to date one of my favorite courses that I've ever completed and I highly recommend it for any and all practitioners of yoga. After giving birth, much of my time and practice was spent in supporting my transitioning body. Aside from having had a baby, I had sold my studio franchise and I'd also been diagnosed and treated for thyroid cancer. To say the least, it was a hectic six and a half months. Nonetheless, my practice instilled a kind of continuity for me as everything else felt like it was completely out of control. But practicing the familiar movements of my body and my breath really anchored me, it steadied me, And honestly, it helped me move through all of it, even on those days that I really didn't want to. As time passed, I trained with other master teachers of this era, including Nancy Gilgoff, Manju Joyce, Sean Korn, Shiva Ray, and Christina Sell, all while remaining close to home here in Atlantic Canada. My most recent endeavors, and by recent, I mean nearly a decade ago, I was drawn to the study of Ayurveda, yoga's sister science. I was first introduced to Ayurveda on my first trip to India and the ashram that I lived in, but really hadn't had a chance or opportunity to learn more. And it was such an interesting part to kind of look at because of the ways in which both yoga and Ayurveda support and work with each other. Where yoga is a science of mastering the mind, Ayurveda is the science for health and healing. These two age-old philosophies and systemic practices communicate with rather precision the opportunity each of us has to live our best life. Although much of my credentialing has stemmed with time from master teachers, I can't forget about the countless number of students and of course my fellow teachers who offer me new opportunities to learn and grow every time we share space together. Were it not for their trust in me and their willingness to learn, I honestly think I would have long ago given up this dream to be and to lead yoga classes and inspire people to live their best lives. I'm sure I'd be working at a desk job, probably hating every minute of it. Now, with a variety of tools in my toolkit to accessibly teach and share what I am truly passionate about, the idea of OM at Home came to be. Although that's the name of this podcast, OM at Home is also a part of a series of classes and trainings that I currently offer, as well as what I'm continuing to develop. I think what all of us ever really wants is to be healthy and happy, right? And that's, it's a tough ask, right? When so much of what happens in our days is beyond our control. But what yoga and Ayurveda have to offer us is an opportunity to gain some sense of over control of what you do have control over. Thus, as the great master yogi BKS Iyengar once said, Yoga teaches us to cure what need not be endured and to endure what cannot be cured. With yoga and Ayurveda as my constant companions, I'm passionate about helping people like you live their best life. Whether that be in a one-hour drop-in yoga class at the studio, a private yoga session to further develop your physical practice and maybe learn new pose, a one-on-one Ayurveda consultation that helps you understand any and all disease or just pain and suffering in your body, or even a weekend intensive, I wanna help you recognize your perfectly imperfect self and learn to be 100% all right with that. For a complete list of classes and trainings or to book your yoga or Ayurveda consultation, visit the Ambiance Yoga Studio website at www.aumbienceyoga.com to learn more. Although not always listed, many of the offerings I share can be done in a virtual setting as well, of course, in person at the studio. In the next episode, I share with you a deeply relaxing and nourishing practice. So get your cozy on, grab your yoga mat, a pillow and a blanket and join me as I guide you through a practice I learned while in India. Until then, drop me a line, visit the Ambiance Yoga Studio website, or better yet, unroll your yoga mat next to mine so we can practice in studio together.